Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Isaiah chapter 40, reading from verse 1. Isaiah chapter 40, reading from verse 1. It says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Listen carefully. Here's the bit. Every valley shall be raised up. And every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level, and the rugged places the plain. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level, and the rugged places a plain. And so, Father, I pray that by your Spirit you would speak to us today. Just come and minister to each and every one of us. Father, let there be a thought, a word in this message that changes and transforms our life. Father, let your gifts be in operation even as I share. Let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word. Let our ears and hearts be open to receive from you. This we pray and ask in Jesus' name. I want to begin a new series as we head towards Christmas entitled uh, Choose Joy. Um, I wonder how many people could do with just a little bit more joy in their lives. Can I hear an amen? Just someone, just a little, little bit of joy in their lives. You know, we live in a world where we seem to have everything but the pressure, the demands, the stresses of life seem to be robbing us of this one thing that we actually uh, seek more than anything else, and that is joy. So over the next few weeks, I want to speak about how we can experience real joy in our lives. I'm not talking about happiness. Uh, happiness is what, you know, the joy or that, the, that we feel because of what happens to us. You know, you buy a new car and you feel happy. You buy a new house and, you know, you feel happy. You buy a new outfit and you feel happy, you blah, blah, blah. But the happiness doesn't last. It only lasts for a short time. It, it, you know, with the new car, as soon as you get a scratch on it, your happiness goes in the name of Jesus. Or you got to wash it and the happiness is gone. I'm talking about real happiness, real contentment, a joy that's not based on what's happening to us, but that's based on what's happening inside of us because that's a lot deeper. And I believe if there's something that God wants us to experience, in life, it's joy. God does not want us to be miserable. He wants us to experience joy. Paul said to the uh, Philippian church, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. Now, for those of us that are a bit older, how many people remember the chorus? Yeah. Yeah. Rejoice in the Lord always. And Rejoice. We used to sing it for hours. I mean, you just kept on going. He kept on going and going and going. I mean, it just kept, it was an amazing, it was a hit back in our, back in the 1920s. It was a real hit. Um, now notice, all right, that's enough. That's enough. That's right. <laughs> uh, rejoice in the Lord always. And I say it again, rejoice. Now notice how it's written in the emphatic. Uh, it's not see how you go. Uh, if things are going well, if life is going good, then rejoice. No, Paul is almost commanding the people. He's telling the people, you've got to make a decision to rejoice. Now, what's interesting about this passage of Scripture is that uh, Paul was speaking to a group of people that were, that were being persecuted. I mean, there was no reason why they should be rejoicing. Um, they could lose, lose their life for their faith. Uh, Paul himself was writing this from, from prison 
And so there was no reason why they should be rejoicing or why Paul should be rejoicing. And yet he tells them to rejoice. I believe Paul had a revelation of true joy. He understood something about the real meaning of joy. And I believe that we too can have that same revelation, that we can choose joy, that we can choose to be joyful despite what we're going through and despite what's happening in our lives. Now, that doesn't mean we're happy when something bad happens. It doesn't mean uh, we're happy when we get a diagnosis or we hear some bad news. There is a time to grieve and there is a time to deal with sadness. Absolutely no question. But most of us live there all the time and that's not the will of God for our lives. The danger or the issue for many of us is that's, that's where we live most of the time. Most of the time we're down. Most of the time um, we feel sad and, and so on. That's not what God has called us to live. Now, over the next few weeks, I'm going to give you uh, four choices that we can make to experience joy. The first choice that we need to make is spiritual growth. The first, the first choice that we need to make is to grow spiritually. Isaiah speaking prophetically about Jesus says, Spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Here it is, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they shall be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of His splendour. Uh, this scripture here really describes our walk with God. Um, that's the, the first step is coming to know Christ. It's the good news. The Spirit of the Lord is on me to preach and to proclaim good news. It's accepting Christ as our Lord and Saviour. It's inviting Jesus to be the Lord and Saviour of our lives. Um, it's making a decision to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's where our walk with God begins. When we make that decision, God by the Holy Spirit begins to do a work in our lives as described in the verse. He shapes our hearts. He heals the brokenhearted. He releases us from the things that keep us bound. He, he comforts our hearts. He makes us into oaks of righteousness. You don't move an oak of righteousness. An oak is a, is a big, stable tree. What God does as He begins to work in our lives, He makes us into, into oaks of righteousness, people that are stable. And the outcome of that, God says, I will give them the oil of joy instead of gladness, instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That as we, as we walk with God, God starts to do some stuff in our lives. And as He begins to work in our lives, one of the outcomes of that is we begin to experience joy. And He gives us a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Question is, how do we experience that? How do we experience that? Well, the first thing that we need to do is we need to choose to grow spiritually. Now, I kind of played around here with a few titles for the message. Um, I would have liked us to, I would have liked to title this to choose sanctification. That's a little bit theological and we wouldn't want to get theological, but simply, that simply means to become more like Jesus. Sanctification is the process of becoming more like Jesus. The more we become like Jesus, the more joy we experience. The more we grow in our faith, the more joy we experience. And so if we want to experience joy, one of the things we need to choose, one of the things that we need to decide is to grow spiritually. We need to pray, Lord, I don't want to stay the same. I want to grow up. I want, I want to know you more. I want to be like Jesus. 
So what I want to do today is give you four things God does in our lives as we grow. I want to give you four things that God does in our lives as we grow. Four things God does in our lives as we choose the pathway of joy. And again, the scripture I want to look at is the one we read in our text. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain hill brought low, the crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. So let's, let's, have, let's dive into this and let's have a look at what the pathway to joy actually looks like. Well, the first step in the pathway to joy is God chooses to bless us. You can write that down in your notes. The first step in the pathway to joy is God chooses to bless us. He says, every valley shall be exalted. Every, every valley, every valley, everything that is down there, it shall be exalted or shall be made level. And when the Bible speaks of valleys, it's not speaking about good things. It's not speaking about good places. Uh, the valley, a valley is not a place where you want to be. It's usually speaking about challenges, difficulties, dark places. You certainly don't want to stay in the valley. You want to get out of the valley as soon as we can. Anybody ever experienced the valley? Anybody ever experienced a challenging time in their life? Anybody ever experienced one of those dark times? A valley. It's a place where you want to kind of get out of uh, as, as, as soon as you possibly can. We were in the Grampians on holidays of, uh, uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, I did this walk up to uh, the peak up there, and there's this one section where you've got uh, one rock, one giant rock on one side of you, and I don't know if anyone's ever been there, and you've got this other giant rock on this other side of you, and you're walking in between these two rocks. I thought to myself, if there's an earthquake here, I'm going to be like, so, you know, I'm just going to be like, like meshed in between. I want to get out of there as soon as we can. That valleys are not a place where we want to be. We want to get out of there as soon as we can. Psalm 23 says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for God is, is with me. But there it is. It's, it's the sense of I'm not in a good place. I'm in a dark place. Now I know that God is with me, but I want to get out of here as soon as I can. Well, here, here's one of the things that happens when we choose to get closer to God. Here's one of the things that, that, that happens as we get closer to God. As we make a decision to, to grow closer to God, one of the things that God does is He chooses to lift us out of the darkest valleys by blessing us. Most people that come to faith for the first time experience this incredible joy. You'll hear about it. Some of you remember when you first came to Christ. It was just this incredible joy in your life. See, you just couldn't believe how, how, how much joy and how much, you, you know, how much happiness you have in your life. When people first come to Christ, they pray and God answers. They read their Bible and it's like the, the Bible is speaking to them. They come to church and the songs are so powerful, the preaching. Well, that was a sermon just for me. It's experience incredible joy. It's one of the things that happens when we come to God, when we first come to God. And more than that, as we grow, as we grow closer to God, one of the things that God does is He chooses to bless us. He chooses to pour His favour out on our lives. Now, I want this thought to get into our spirit because so many people think that God wants us to be miserable, that He delights in making us miserable. People have these preconceived ideas about who God is and how He works. Some people think that God, well, I, I just can't wait to make you miserable. Like God is in heaven somewhere and he's devising plans. Well, let's look at Joe. How can I make Joe's life really terrible? <laughs> um, that might be your God, but that's certainly not my God. The God of the Bible 
He's a God that wants to bless us. <laughs> he wants to pour out His favour on us. Uh, he wants to surprise us. He wants to solve our problems. He wants to make a way where there doesn't seem to be one. He wants to, he wants to lift our burdens. He's the God that wants to pull us out of the valley and bring us into a place of blessing. I want that thought to get into your spirit this morning. I, I want you to start to believe for that because so many of us have this doom and gloom mentality. We live in a world where it's just always negative and always down. And we think that that's the way God thinks about us. I want you to know God doesn't think like that. I want you to know that's not the God we serve. I, and I, I want, I want I, we, we talked about this, I think it was last week or a couple of weeks ago. I want you to start to believe this and I want you to start to speak it over your life. Lord, I thank you that you're gonna bless me. Lord, I thank you that you're gonna favour me. Lord, I thank you that you're gonna do good things in my life. Even if you're not seeing it yet in your life, I want you to begin to speak it by faith in the name of Jesus because that's the God that we serve. He's the God that lifts us out of the valley and He chooses to bless us. In the name of Jesus. All throughout Scripture, there are some amazing stories that describe this principle. But one of my favourite stories in the Bible about this is the story of Jacob. Jacob is at the end of his life. There's a famine in the land. You remember his brothers, not nice brothers. They sold Joseph into slavery because they were jealous of him. So uh, Joseph's been in Egypt now for about 13 years. And uh, there's a drought and there's a famine in the land. Uh, Jacob sends his sons over to Egypt uh, to get some grain. So his brothers come, Joseph recognises them, but they don't recognise him. Uh, on the second trip, he says to them, listen, you need to bring back Benjamin. Now, Benjamin was Joseph's younger brother, and he was the youngest of the 12. Um, when, when Jacob, when they get back, the brothers get back, they say, hey, we got some, some, some grain uh, in, uh, in, in Egypt, but the ruler... Joseph, and they didn't know that, he says he wants uh, us to bring back Benjamin uh, with, uh, with him. Well, when he hears this, he hits rock bottom. Like, this is the worst. Look at, what, look at what he says. Joseph is no more. This is what he says. Joseph is no more. As far as he was concerned, he was dead. Uh, and Simeon is no more. Uh, Joseph had kept him in prison uh, in the first round. And now you want to take Benjamin. And then, he, and then he makes this statement about his life. He says, everything is against me. Everything is against me. Anyone ever got to a point in your life where it felt like everything was against you? Anybody got ever, ever got to a stage in their life where it felt like everything is against you? Whether it's your upbringing, your past, whether it's at home, at work, relationships, health, it just feels like everything is going wrong and everything is going in the wrong direction. You can't remember the last time you heard some good news. That's how you feel today. I pray the Word of God will encourage you in Jesus' name. I pray the Word of God would give us hope because I want you to know that God is for you. He's not against you. He's with you in the name of Jesus. And He loves to bless you in Jesus' name. You know, I don't know, uh, I'm a, I'm, we're parents. You know, you love to bless your kids. You, you love to do stuff for your kids. You, you love to give. The, God loves to bless us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Jacob agrees to send Benjamin. And on the next trip, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. Beautiful story. You can, you can read it there, back there in, in, in Genesis. And it just reads like a wonderful story to read. You start crying and all sorts of things. And uh, so Joseph finally, you know, reveals himself to his brothers. Can't help it anymore. And there's a mixture of joy and relief and fear. Um, 
because they're scared that Joseph's going to get revenge. So on the one hand, they're happy because, you know, Joseph is still alive. And on the other hand, they're scared because Joseph may get revenge. Well, anyway, they go back home to tell the father the good news that's happened. And look at what the Bible says. They told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he is ruler of all Egypt. And the Bible says that Jacob was stunned. Stunned. Can you imagine? Can you kind of imagine what he experienced in that moment when he hears this news that Joseph is still alive? I love what the King James Version says. It says, his heart stood still. He couldn't believe it. He was shocked. Can you imagine the joy and the happiness? One of the things that happens as we give our life to Christ, one of the things that happens when we get closer to God, I believe this with all my heart, One of the things that happens as we choose to press into God is that God will bless us in such a way that our hearts will stand still, that we will be stunned, shocked, that we will be blessed, that every valley shall be lifted up. Now, it doesn't happen every day, (laughs) but it does happen. From time to time, you're walking along in life and, and you're just doing stuff and then, and, then, and, then God, and then God blesses you with something that just blows your mind away. And you think to yourself, well, this can only be God. You get a job that you never ex- expected to get. Just God does stuff, the stuff that you, 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 you never expected to get and God does it. Now, I can, I can tell you my stories because I've got tons of, not tons of these. I've got a few of these, okay? But I, I still remember the time I applied for university at, at, uh, at, uh, at, with, with the, the SADC department there back then. Uh, you had to, I didn't do year 12. I didn't do matriculation. Why, why do matriculation when you can get an easier way in? So that's why it was my view. Anyway, um, um, not true. I traveled. Uh, anyway, it's another story. Um, so uh, I, I only finished in year 11. Anyway, I was out of school for five years. To get into university, you had to do a SADC test. You still need to do it today, but you, have, you can do it a lot earlier now. Anyway, it was an IQ test, and I thought, I, I, there's no way that I can go into university. It, just, it was the furthest thing from my mind. I just thought, let me give it a shot anyway. Who knows, you know? And sure enough, you know, I passed not only an entry to get into one university, I got an entry to get into a second university. You know, I, and I, it was the blessing of I recognised that as the blessing and the favour of God. In my life, I, I recognized that it was, it was God that had done that. And I want you to know that God wants to bless you. Some of you have lived in a valley for way too long. Some of you have been in a dark place for way too long. Some of you have experienced some hardships for too long. God wants the word for you today the closer you get to God, as you choose the pathway to joy, as you, as you choose to press into God, to grow in the things of God, one of the things that's going to happen is God is going to bless you. And it's going to blow your mind. It's going to blow your mind in such a way, it's going to make your heart stand still. You're going to be stunned. And you're going to recognize that it's God. Can I hear an amen? Come on, how many people want to receive that in the name of Jesus? Second step in the pathway to joy is God shapes our character. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain shall be brought low. There are a number of enemies of joy, depression, discouragement, despair. These are more external and speak of our circumstances. But there are some internal enemies of joy like pride and jealousy and arrogance. God says if you're going to experience joy, we're going to have to deal with some of those stuff, some of that stuff inside of you. One of the greatest qualities that we can develop that leads to joy 
is humility. The Bible says God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Isn't that beautiful? I don't know about you, that's a beautiful scripture. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. He blesses the humble. Um, Micah says, and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Now, sometimes we're so far up the mountain that God has to bring us <laughs> down the mountain. He does that not to make us miserable, but to shape our character so that we can experience joy. I love the story of Peter in the Bible. From time to time, you, you, you know, as you read your Bible, you kind of identify with some characters in the Bible. There are times in my life where I've identified with Peter very much. Peter is the disciple that said what he thought, spoke first, thought later. You know what I mean? I'm talking about. He's the guy that, you know, kind of spoke first and then engaged. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said it. Anybody know someone like that? Come on. Anybody sitting next to someone like that? You know. One day Jesus is asking his disciples, who do people say that I am? They said, wow, some people say you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? What a powerful question. Who do you think Jesus is? How you answer that question will determine how you live your life and eternity. Who do you say that I am? Well, I think he was a good teacher. I think he was a good guru. I think it was a historical figure. How you and I answer that question will determine how we live our life and how we live in eternity. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. In other words, Peter, that's a very good answer, Peter, but you didn't come up with that. God has revealed it to you. Now I say to you that you're Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. Can you imagine how, how Peter's feeling right now? Seriously, he didn't hear that second statement. All he heard was, you're right, Peter. That's all. He didn't, he didn't, re, he didn't hear about where it came from. He, he's, he's, he's walking on the mountaintop. I'm the man. I got this. He's flying high. We know that because soon after, Jesus starts to talk to his disciples and he says, listen, guys, I'm going to be dying on a cross um, and I'm going to be raised back to life, etc., etc." Bible says, but Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. You know the story. Come on, church. You know the story. Just try and dive into it. Get a real picture here. Peter's on top of the mountain. He's flying high, this guy. He's thinking, man, I'm the man. Because they were all competing against each other, the disciples back then. They were trying to see who could outdo who, who could have the highest position. Well, Peter's going, man, I'm the man. I'm the man. Look at what Jesus said about me. And I got the answer right. And he says, to, and, he, and, he, and he, he's so confident, he pulls Jesus aside and he says, let me give you some advice, Jesus. That's, you shouldn't be talking like this. Jesus turns to Peter and says, get away from me, Satan. I mean, he's sliding down that mountain now. I mean, he's, and, it's, and, and gaining speed as he's going down. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. What I like is the next verse. Then Jesus says to his disciples, he kind of turns to his disciples. If you, any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross. In other words, don't be like this bozo brain. 
One of the enemies of joy in our life is pride. No, I don't care. But we, we, we could talk about it as much. It's selfishness. It's me, myself, and I. That's going to destroy pride. The pathway to joy involves dealing with selfishness and pride. Bible says pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. There are times when God will love us so much, listen carefully, church, that He will bring us down the mountain. <laughs> We're up on the mountain, two times when we're most likely to be tempted by the enemy. One is when we're in the deepest part of the valley and the next time when we're on top of the mountain. When we're on the top of the mountain, we start thinking, God, you are so glad to have me on your team. You are so lucky to have me on your team. And God says, really? <laughs> now, how do I know that? I'll tell you how I know that. It's not because I read it in a book, trust me. Many, many times in my life, I've said to God, quietly, you know, not actually using those words, but saying, God, you and me, mate, we, we got it together. The guy says, really? <laughs> sure? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then I start sliding down that mountain really, really fast. And you know, when I get to the bottom, not at the beginning, I didn't used to say, no, you didn't used to thank God, but, but over the years, I've, I said, God, thank you. Thank you for showing me what's really inside of me. Because um, there are some times where God will love us so much. He'll show us what's inside of us. God shapes our character. Every mountain shall be made low. Third step in the pathway to joy is God corrects our thinking. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight. It speaks about our mind and heart. One of the greatest impediments to joy is our thinking. Crooked thinking. To come into Christ, experiencing the joy, the blessing, God starts to prune our branches, He starts to shape our character, and He starts to shape our thinking. Our thinking is so important, but it takes longer to deal with. Um, how we think has so much bearing on how we live. Um, conscious and unconscious beliefs can affect us deeply and powerfully. It's not just our thoughts that affect us deeply. It's our unconscious thoughts. How many people understand? We've got conscious thoughts and unconscious thoughts. It's the unconscious ones that uh, affect us deeply. Some of you drove here to church. You were not consciously aware this morning. You were off with the pixies, but you drove to church. <laughs> Come on, how many people know that's true? You got in the car, you drove, you put it in gear, you take, took off, you know. I leave home so many times. I end up in church. I'm there. I didn't want to come to church. <laughs> I'm on automatic pilot. As soon as I leave home, Kensington Road, blah, blah, blah. I'm in church. I'm there. I don't want to come to church. I want to go somewhere else. It's automatic, unconscious. Conscious and unconscious beliefs can have a powerful effect on our lives. Sometimes they're so deeply ingrained in our lives, we don't even know what they are. As we get closer to God, what God begins to do by the Spirit is expose some of those beliefs. Bring to light some of those unconscious beliefs, habits of thinking, strongholds that are stopping us from being used by God. The Bible says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. For the weapons we fight for, not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What are strongholds? They're habits of thinking. They're habit patterns in our thinking. 
How do, we, how do we deal with those habits of thinking? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. What keeps us bound so often is crooked thinking, crooked habits, expectations, crooked behaviors, beliefs. Jesus said this, listen carefully. Jesus said this, if you hold on to my teaching, you are really my disciples. What's the mark of a disciple? They read the word, they learn Jesus' teaching and they live by it. And then he says, then you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. What keeps us bound is lies. What sets us free is truth. How do we know what the truth is? We know the truth as we study the word of God. And what I love about God is that he loves us so much <laughs> that he chooses not to keep us the way we are. And so as we choose to get closer to God, as we choose to grow, as we choose to say, God, I want to get closer to you. Lord, I want to be more like Jesus every day. Should be a prayer that we should be praying every single day. I want to become more like Jesus. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. That means I want to be more like him. So we read the word. We read his teaching. We read the principles of the word of God. We don't just read them. We try and apply them to our lives. We try to live differently. As we get closer to God, one of the things that God does is he begins to expose by the Holy Spirit crooked thinking. And he gently shapes us. He starts to tell us why we get so angry so quickly. How many road ragers do we have in the church? Come on. Road rage. Road rage has got nothing to do with the car. It's got to do with something inside of the person. There, there are some situations that we're in where... Uh, it triggers certain things inside of us. We don't even understand it so often. All we know is this situation has happened and something has triggered inside. And what, that something isn't good. And what the Holy Spirit begins to do, it helps us to deal with what that something is inside of us. It helps us understand what's driving the addictions. What's driving our behavior. What's driving that outburst. Not only does he show us, he also gives us the power and the strength to change. I love what Paul says in Romans. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way and then I act another. Come on, is anybody, anybody, anybody like this? Is it just me? Doing things I absolutely despise. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad and then I do it anyway. Anybody like that? Okay, it's just me. I'm the, I'm the bad person. Then he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Who gives us the strength to deal with that stuff? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Not only does the Holy Spirit show us, the Holy Spirit also gives us the power to deal with some of that stuff inside of our lives. As we get closer to God, he begins to shape our thinking. Third step. In the pathway to joy is God heals our brokenness. The Bible says the crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. That speaks to me about the restoration work that God does in our soul. In our walk with God, we first experience the joy. God shapes our character, corrects our thinking. The next thing God does is he helps us deal with the rough places in our lives. Come on, church. We talked a little bit about this last week. The challenging experiencing, the hurts, the wounds, 
the things that have marked us deeply. It's the rough places. And that's, that, that's not an easy process. That's actually, uh, at times, very painful and can take, can take some time to deal with some of that stuff. But God, by His grace, begins to pour oil and wine into the deepest wounds of our lives. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's the blessing of God. He leads me beside still waters. He, res- he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Some of us have this mentality in life, if, if only this hadn't happened, if I hadn't gone through this, if I hadn't done this, my life would be different. And we've all, got, we've all got a version of this in our minds and in our hearts. All of us have. We serve a God who transforms our lives. We serve a God who has the power to heal our wounds. We serve a God that can help us forgive those that have hurt us deeply. We, 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 we serve a God that can take our broken pieces and bring them back together again. And do something powerful with them. In the Old Testament, the people would uh, need to build an altar to the Lord. And the altar represented a place where they would connect with God and where they would worship. And typically they would get these stones rocks they would put them together and build an altar the interesting thing about the rocks is that they were all rocks that were rough that had been broken in some way and they would they would take these rocks and they would bring them all together all these pieces these broken pieces of stone and 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 these rough stones and they would bring them all together and they would they would create an altar and in that place they would begin to worship the Lord and connect with God That speaks to me about what God wants to do with our lives. He wants to take the brokenness and the rough places and he wants to turn them into a place of worship, a place of praise. He wants to help us deal with the hurts that rob us of joy every single day. He wants to help us deal with those memories that wound us still today, even after many years. He wants to pour the oil of joy in the places of despair. So much so that what was rough one day suddenly becomes smooth. Listen carefully. Psalm 84. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. There it is right there. It's blessed are those, happy are those whose heart is set on pilgrimage, whose heart is set on getting closer to God, on growing in God, on knowing God in a greater way. One of the things that they experience, it says here, as they pass through the Valley of Baca, they make it into a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. God has this way of, Turning our valley of Baca, our terrible situations, into places of refreshing. And some of you are saying, Pastor Joe, I can't see how anything good could possibly come of this. I, I can't see that. I just, I, I hearing you, I appreciate what you're saying. I understand, I understand that might be for other people. I cannot see what good can come out of what I, I can't see it. Listen to what happens as we get closer to God. God begins to change something. God begins to deal with the pain. God begins to deal with the hurt. God God begins to change those. As we get closer to God, He begins to deal with the pain and the hurt and He twists it in such a way and He uses it for His glory. Isaiah says this, Forget the former things, 
Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now listen what God does. As we begin to get closer to God, as we begin to pour out our hearts to God, we talked about this last week, how to deal with life suits. You can get that message on podcast. As, as we begin to pour our hearts to God, as we, as we worship God, as we bring it all to Him, I tell you what happens somewhere down the line. God starts to give us a vision of the future. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the waste. I am making a way where there doesn't even seem to be a way. I am making streams where there is just desert. As as we get closer to God, listen church, come on. This is the way God works in our lives. This is the pathway to joy. As, as, As we come get closer to God, we got these wounds and brokenness and roughness in our lives. But as we get closer to God, He starts to pour oil and wine onto those wounds. And and in the midst of all of that, at some point, as we deal with the brokenness and the grief and the sadness, He at some point He gives us a vision of the future. He gives us a picture of what He wants to do with our lives picture that blows our mind. Joseph was in despair. Oh, this is terrible. Until he got a picture. Until he got a picture of the future. Moses was walking around in the desert until he meets God in a burning bush and he gets a picture of the future. God wants to give you a picture of the future. I know this is how God works. He's worked like this in Bible times. He still works like this today. He's worked like this in my life. He wants to work like this in your life. And when you get that picture and as you walk towards that picture, one of the things you're going to experience is joy. It's joy. How do we experience joy? One of the ways we experience joy is by choosing to grow spiritually. It's by choosing to get closer to God, to be like Jesus. It begins with a desire to grow. It begins with a desire to be like Jesus. It begins with a simple prayer. Lord, help me to become more like Jesus every single day. Help me, Lord, to be everything you've called me to be. And as we pray that prayer, come on, that's, that's, it's just, it starts with, I say, Lord, I want to be more like Jesus. And as, as we pray that prayer, daily spend time with God, read the Word, come to church, join a life group. As we do this, we give permission to the Holy Spirit to shape us according to His will. He starts to form Christ in us. How does He do that? He, he, he gives us the, the joy of salvation. He chooses to bless us. Every valley shall be brought up. He shapes our character. Every mountain shall be brought down. He corrects our thinking. Every crooked path God makes straight. And He heals our brokenness. He makes the rough places smooth. And the outcome of that process is we experience joy. Joy. Incredible joy. Amazing joy blows us away. I will lead the blind by ways that they have not known. Among unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. That's Isaiah 42, 16. Some of you need to grab that verse, write it on a piece of paper, like I said last week, put it in your pocket and memorize it. Because I love the way this ends. It says, these are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. I thank you, God, that these are the things that you're going to do for me. I thank you that you're not going to forsake me. In the name of Jesus. And all God's people said,